Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Bible Prophecy Talk. My name is Chris. It's good to be with you again. You can go to the website, BibleProphecyTalk.com for more information. You can also see part two of the Gog Magog War Study, which is the other half of the week's podcast. It's also being released as a video. Again, go to BibleProphecyTalk.com for more on that. Today, though, is the news version of the podcast where I review and comment on the news that I find to be interesting for one reason or another. And I do this for two reasons. The first is to try to be a good watchman, to look for the specific things the Bible says we are to watch for, to look for the end times, things like the development of a ten-nation confederacy or um, some developments in and around the temple in Jerusalem. There's any number of explicit things I'm looking for, but in lieu of that, if I can't find anything explicit, I'm also trying to provide a bit of a service in that, you know, to weed through some of the propaganda to provide hopefully good information in a world that is obviously going crazy, whether it is the end times or not. All right, since I only have three non-COVID, non-vaccine related news stories anyway, I thought I might start with those. And the first one that caught my attention was this one from NPR. Colonial Pipeline's ransom was returned by a new Department of Justice team. Okay, so the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack earlier this year, and now it's hard to keep up with which uh, infrastructure ransomware attack you're talking about because they're all happened and they're all, of course, blamed on Russia. It's as if nobody has ever heard of the idea of masking IPs. I mean, I mean, the IP was Russian, so what, what possible other conclusion could you come to? But nevertheless, that's a different part of the story. The story here is that now the Justice Department has returned the money. So they demanded the money in Bitcoin. And I started to notice right from the beginning that this appeared to be an anti-Bitcoin story. Like, hey, these bad guys want Bitcoin, therefore we should regulate Bitcoin. As if you couldn't do the exact same thing with dollars or anything else. But this somehow became a Bitcoin, anti-Bitcoin story. And this one is like the, a very anti-Bitcoin story. And the reason is this line right here in the story, it says court documents released in the colonial pipeline case say the FBI got in by using the encryption key linked to the Bitcoin account to which the ransom money was delivered. Now, I don't know about you, but that's kind of the entire point of Bitcoin. The idea that hackers who could hack into a major infrastructure like this somehow left their encryption key laying around is utterly absurd. I mean, I don't even have that much Bitcoin, but there's no way I'm going to put my encryption key online anywhere. That's like rule one of Bitcoin. You know, put it on a piece of paper or memorize it even better, but not put it up. You know, how in the world did this happen? How in the world did the FBI get a hold of this encryption key linked to that Bitcoin account? And if they have some super secret way to get encryption keys for Bitcoin accounts, then what is the use of Bitcoin? That is the entire selling point of Bitcoin, essentially, that it can't be seized at will by the government. And here they're, they're advertising Yes, we can do that, by the way. Whether this is true or not, I don't, I don't think anybody knows. But one thing is sure, Bitcoin crashed on this news. And Bitcoin's been crashing on a lot of news that seems to me to be very, very similar. And I owe some of this analysis to Monica at the Propaganda Report. But she pointed out that, you know, in addition to other kinds of news like 
uh, regulation news because that's always scary about this because I do think that they could just make it illegal one day and of course people would want to sell it um, or they would you know merge it into the Fed coin if the Federal Reserve did end up uh, creating their own version of the digital currency which certainly might happen and force people to do it of course it's it's competition but she pointed out a couple different things that they're coming at it from the left and the right and Trump for example saying that he didn't like Bitcoin it's competition of the dollar it should be regulated and then from the left you've got Elon Musk saying, you know, it's bad for the environment and, you know, all this kind of, we should go into carbon taxes and just some weird stuff there too. I don't know if any of that really ties in, but my point is it does seem to be that there is an active campaign against Bitcoin. All right, real briefly, these other two stories, the outage today, there was an outage from major sites being down like Amazon, The Guardian, New York Times, and Reddit. And I don't have a lot to say about it. It, it sounds like there was a particular cloud company called Fastly that was down. But my main takeaway here is just to convey to everybody how vulnerable the internet is. I've spent the last few months concerned about this and have been trying to track down where I can go to put my data and to try to set up for the long haul. And it's been a learning experience. I know I've done the interview here with Greg Outlaw. Can Greg Outlaw save the internet? Um, and it was an eye-opening experience. And since then, I've talked to a lot of people about this. Long story short, there's no good options, but there are better options. And one of the things that I would recommend is a site called epic.com, E-P-I-K. I am not affiliated with them. You can be an affiliate if you want uh, content creators out there. It seems like a pretty good deal. I have been in contact with them. I've been recommended them by other people, some people that know, inclu including Greg Outlaw. It does seem like they are in it for the long haul. They have some like things like these forever domains and particularly something called um, uh, resilient domains. And that's a whole nother product suite that I would really recommend, but look into it if you're interested. Also, you can host your files there. I think in the end, one of the last people standing in this world is the people that host your files. You need them to have integrity because that's what this is gonna come down to, I think, in the end. So check it out, epic.com, E-P-I-K, if you're a content creator. You can transfer your domain to them, you know, wherever it's at, GoDaddy or whatever, just, you know, click a few buttons on GoDaddy, it transfers over there, nothing really gets disrupted or whatever. Anyway, just a little bit of free advertising for Epic.com, it's something that I really believe in. Uh, moving on to this other non-COVID story before we move on, the UN warns of famine imminent in Ethiopia's embattled Tigray region. So I've been following this Tigray story, it has not calmed down. I just wanted to point this out, that famine is coming there, famine, I, I've been reading stories from the UN about what they're, I mean, you can look it up, but malnutrition deaths are just through the roof. People are dying in the streets in some of these third world countries. When we have problems here economically in supply chain, people die over there. What I wanted to mainly mention here, since a lot of people that listen to this show are Christians and probably have churches where you have ministries that are in some of these third world places or whatever, check up on some of those ministries, see how they're doing, go to their website, go to their blog, see what they're talking about, and help them if you can. The third world right now really needs our help. So if you have a local connection to anybody out there, maybe it's time to reach out and see what they're doing and if they need some of this help because they could be in some of these situations where they're literally starving to death. All right, moving on to COVID news and vaccine news. I first wanted to talk about Geert van den Bosch, who is a guy I pretty much talk about every episode, it seems like. But he's a he is a scientist. I first saw him on the Dark Horse podcast with Brett Weinstein. 
and it was a discussion about the possibility, and he's a very pro-vaccine. He's not at all, a, he's, a, he's a vaccine scientist. He entirely believes in immunization. And his main problem with the vaccine is that it was given during a pandemic, which can cause an environment to breed variants within the bodies of those that have been vaccinated. There has since been other scientists, including Nobel Prize winner virologists who have come out with the same concerns that he has, which I'll describe in a minute. But this, I think, answers some of the questions that people have about what could the agenda be, if there is an agenda at all with the vaccines, because people think, well, if they're giving this vaccine out and it's causing some kind of damage to people, it seems like they're damaging the wrong people, right? Because these are the people that typically will go along with the propaganda that um, are, you know, pro and typically, you know, at least in America, typically left and and that kind of stuff. Why hurt them? Those are the people that you want in your new world order. You don't want to leave unhurt the people that um, that have not been vaccinated. They are essentially the target problem people, right, in this scenario, which I'm not saying is true or not, but that would be the, the, the argument. And this new video from Geert van den Bosch helped me to understand the issues because when I watched that first podcast with Brett Weinstein, I understood it, but there was a critical piece of the puzzle that I was missing. So this new video is called The Insidious Face of a Pandemic of Variants. And in it, he expresses his frustration with the problem here, which is that when and if this happens, that is to say, the, the variants or, or the virus mutates in the bodies of those that are vaccinated because they do present a weak immune response and then pass that to another vaccinated person, which is why you don't want to do this in, a, in the pandemic that has the same a muted response that it's going to select for the stronger virus, right? So it's a way to create a stronger virus in the bodies of people through natural virus replication and thus evolution of the virus. So that's the problem. And the critical piece that I was missing is that the problem is not for the vaccinated in this scenario, but rather for the unvaccinated. Because of course, even the mainstream admits that people that get the vaccine you know, still will get the, the disease and still pass the disease. They just won't have that bad of an, an outcome, which is why some people say this isn't really a vaccine. It's a gene therapy that helps your outcome. It doesn't really prevent you from getting and passing on the virus. But his main theory here is that this would be bad for the unvaccinated because now the they they're essentially creating a bioweapon in the in the in the bodies of this mass population that's been vaccinated and the outcome will be bad for those that haven't been vaccinated and you can only imagine the propaganda that would have happen in a new wave where this became evident and it's especially important to note the recent changes that we've talked about almost ad nauseum now where the cdc's guidelines is despite what the fact checkers say to minimize any kind of idea that the people that are getting vaccinated are getting sick and all, and the whole system is essentially rigged to show the numbers increasing with the unvaccinated. And if that actually is happening in a way that people can see and, and experience, again, you can imagine the hate and vitriol that will be sold to the public, especially if kids start getting this, if, if there really is a, a serious variant. I, I will argue later that the variants so far are not particularly significant. They are, they are minor, minor changes that it's showing that your immune response is basically the same thing. They're calling them scariants in, in the UK, uh, and, and they have reason to right now, but we'll come to that in a minute. Anyway, the, the point here is that the theory of Geert van den Bosch is a danger for the unvaccinated, not the vaccinated, and that was the new discovery, at least in my mind. 
All right, so let's move on to the lab leak situation and, and Fauci and the rest of this. And I'm just going to read some headlines that I have earmarked here, and then we'll come back around and generally talk about it. Scientists at the center of lab leak controversy put in charge of the Lancet's task force to investigate COVID origin. So putting the fox in, in, in to guard the hen house to find out about this. So I wonder if anybody's going to say anything about this. My suspicion is no. This one is interesting. The virologist who told Dr. Fauci coronavirus was likely engineered and got paid after backtracking on the claims just deleted 5,000 tweets, then deleted entire account. This is from the Gateway Pundit. On February 1st, uh, Dr. Uh, Kristen Anderson emailed Dr. Fauci and passed on the findings of several doctors that cr the coronavirus had unusual features that potentially look engineered. What's interesting is that two months later, Dr. Anderson reversed course and published his, quote, proximal origins paper where he helped shield the NIH and Dr. Fauci from potential uh, probes into the gain-of-function funding. And then five months after that, Dr. Kirsten Anderson received $1.88 million in funding from the NIH. So certainly seems a little fishy there, but let's move on to some of this other stuff. Chip Roy demands criminal investigation into Anthony Fauci as GOP uses email trove to step up attack. And really, there has been a lot of different news stories and different angles on this in the past week, as I'm sure that you know if you've been paying attention. It's just the evidence is mounting all over the place. And this is mostly because of the email situation, because a lot of the news you know, places are seeing different angles that they can take. So it seems like there's just piling on right now. And it seems like, hey, this could be a big break. You know, This could be a way to show everybody that the whole thing was is bad and maybe it could kind of help us to slow this roll into totalitarianism or whatever it is that this is causing and you know my initial take was the Fauci thing probably would nothing would come of it be and my argument for that is among other things that uh, I don't think and this is I think a lot of people have theories now in the conspiracy world that you know uh, Fauci was just set up to to fail and he was the fall guy and all this kind of stuff and I don't think so at all. I don't think anybody is supposed to be the fall guy ever. I mean, I think they have backup systems, as it were, and I think Fauci would make a good one if they had to burn somebody, as it were. They could say, oh, it was all Fauci. He came up with the whole thing. He's the all, all to blame. There's nobody else behind the curtain. And I think that that makes sense from that perspective. In, in case of emergency break glass, Fauci takes the blame for everything. But I don't even think that's going to happen. But then I got to thinking, well, let's not be too cynical about this. After all, I have been praying for some kind of break in this whole thing that people could have some way to see that it was all being manipulated and there's propaganda and, and some undeniable thing that, that could prove that these lies have been happening. And I got to say, this really is one of those things that does not, you know, seem advantageous in any way, shape or form for the, uh, for the system here. And it is going against every narrative they've so carefully built. And it has the ability, in my opinion, because it does go to the very heart of the problem, <laughs> which is that the whole thing was created. I think it goes to the heart of the problem of the vaccine, too, because if you're saying, which they now, you know, this is a big story that's going around that, you know, it's pretty obvious that these people like this doctor that's pointing out, hey, this thing looks engineered. The reason it looks engineered is because this little piece in the vaccine has been modified. And that piece that's been modified is the spike protein on the vaccine. And then that's the thing that they put into the vaccine, right? Is the spike protein. Your body's supposed to create it. And there's some viral vector ones that literally just have it there. 
And of course, there's the money and there's the fact that, that we were funding it. And there's so many angles to the story. And the point is, I think that this does have the ability to, to shake the whole foundation. So I can't think of a single reason why this would have been intentionally put out to burn Fauci for some unknown reason. And you can see the propaganda everywhere else. And this is important. You look at the propaganda right now, and especially it sounds it seems like there is a save Fauci campaign going on with the left. If you look at it, they're, they're really shaping the news story. I saw this today. It really started becoming the theme that it's all, you know, conservatives, conservatives, conservatives. That you look up Fauci and, and in the news aggregates, and it's going to be conservative in every headline because it's it's now turned into a political thing. He did nothing wrong. Everything is great. And the the... The narrative is so different from reality that you have to believe that that's what they're trying to do. And that goes to my earlier theory that that burning anybody in a system, if this is truly sort of a conspiracy, that is to say that there is a cabal of people uh, that were in on this for whatever purpose or whatever reason, even if it was just for money, then they would never want to burn a particular person because then everybody starts looking behind their shoulders who's going to be burned next and they want to get out ahead of it and they want to be a whistleblower. That That's what happens when people start believing that the, the, the conspiracy is breaking apart. So there is going to be, in my opinion, a grand effort to save Fauci and to from the, from the left. And, and like so many things, especially we're going to talk later about ivermectin, it's this competing narrative situation. You've got entirely different set of facts on one side than you do on the other side, which I think you can just look at objectively and just say, well, one of those side of facts is just straight up lies. Lies told by these massive, massive corporations, bold-faced lies. And we're living in a world where the only question is, if global communism takes over, that becomes your new news. Your new news is bold-faced lies that probably, at least in this situation where we're in right now, where we remember freedom, half the population will know that it's lies. You know, give that 30 years and lots of re-education camps and lots of people being round up, it looks probably more looks like 85-90% of the people believe the bold-faced lies are actual truth, and there's only 10% of the underground people that know that they're absolute lies. So that's just what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a situation where... They don't even care anymore about the lies. They're pushing this agenda. And the only question is, can something big enough, can something undisputable enough that they can't even pretend to deal with, can something like that happen to break this apart? Okay, this next one almost needs a disclaimer. I would like to say that for the most part, everything I've been talking about with vaccines, I've been pretty careful to not say anything that, you know, didn't have at least something I was comfortable with that I had seen with my eyes and seen the sources and and had made a rational decision to say this is most likely true to the best of my limited knowledge. This is uh, I tried very good to not uh, give you something ridiculous. And so one of those theories that's been around for a while is the magnet on your arm theory. This is where people that have had the Pfizer or moderna shots, that like refrigerator magnets are sticking to their arm where they had got vaccinated. And the fact checkers, of course, have had a field day with this one. If I read a fact check about it, it will go like this. Well, these people are saying that these, these magnets are sticking to their arm, but there are no metals in the vaccine. And therefore, there is nothing that a magnet could stick to. 
Also, there is nothing on the list, you know, nothing in the list of ingredients that could be magnetized. Also, we asked the doctor and they said it was probably spit or tape or whatever. Literally, that's that's a couple things I've seen in these fact checkers. It's it's the answer is it was most likely spit or tape or they were just faking it or maybe it was sweat, but the overarching nature of the fact checks is that there are no metals in the vaccine and therefore there is nothing that they could possibly stick to. That's how these fact checks go. So the first video that I watched was this girl in Austin that seemed rational, didn't seem to have much of an agenda. She really was just going around people in Austin asking them if they had uh, the vaccine and if this uh, magnet would stick to their arms. And the whole process was really interesting. Some it did, some it didn't. They really tried to seem like they were trying to uh, adjust for controls and different things. And it did stick to people that had Pfizer and Moderna's uh, uh, vaccines. It was something that convinced me enough camera work and enough obviously not acting to be like, okay, well, this is interesting. So I see this uh, post that Revelations Radio News had posted on their Twitter, and I follow that up, and I see a video where a woman is talking about the, the mechanism of how this works, and she mentioned the word magnetofection. Magnetofection, one word. So I look up that term, and here I go to Wikipedia, where I learned that magnetofection is exactly what this is. At the very least, this is this is not... I mean, if you type magnetofection, you're not even going to see a fact check, I don't think, at this point. It's just scientific journals about mRNA vaccines and how this process, which creates a magnetic field in order to essentially push the gene into the cells, uh, is exactly what is needed in the mRNA vaccine. This is a method to to make the mRNA vaccines work, to push the genes into the cells through magnetofection. And it's a highly interesting, I'll read some of this stuff. Magnetofection is a simple and highly efficient transfection method that uses magnetic fields to concentrate particles containing nucleic acid into target cells. This me method attempts to unite the advantages of the popular biochemical cationic lipids or polymers and physical electroporation gene gun transfection methods in one system while excluding their inconveniences, low efficiency, toxicity. Magnetofection is commercialized by OZ Biosciences and is registered as a trademark. So it goes through all this stuff. Now, the people that she quoted in this uh, video that I watched showed this, you know, where you can buy this stuff to put your mRNA in in order to make it get into cells better. And there's all kinds of, you know, warnings on the website that saying that this is not for human, you know, use. So that's number one. If this stuff is not approved for human consumption at all, then that would be interesting to know. Number two, if it should have been but wasn't listed on the ingredients list, that's a big one too. I'm sure there might be a way around that if they say, well, we don't have to list every single thing. But this, it seems like they would because even though it's a small nanoparticle, this would contain some kind of, I think it's an iron nanoparticle as part of it, but it does something really interesting to create this magnetic field. Now, obviously there is a ton of conspiracy theories around this, and I guarantee you when they do get around to to writing all the fact checks about this particular word, it's going to lead with the craziest of crazy stuff, you know, chips and uh, 5G and blah, blah, blah. And maybe, who knows, maybe that's, I'll, I'll come around to all that stuff later too. But right now, I consider that the sort of stuff that they're going to lead with to sort of make you not even understand this. But the problem as I see it is number one, 
this is a thing which is magnetizing you ostensibly. It could be. I mean, obviously more stuff has to be uh, looked at. And did they put it on the list? Is it approved? Should they have put it on the list? And then the lady in this video was making the case that the transfection method into the cells, she makes the case every cell in your body. And I don't know where she's getting that from. It doesn't seem to match up with what I know about it. Um, really, it probably isn't if it's still concentrated around the, the site, the, the, the vaccination site in the arm. I would say probably not. But the question, of course, rises, what are the potential long-term effects of that? Because the people that were having it stick to their arm, they were in some cases two, three months out from the vaccine. So something is still there. And that's interesting in and of itself, right? That this is a long-lasting issue which should be disclosed, right? So if this is true, then there are a lot of questions to answer. And uh, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing or any other thing, except for this is something I bet you're going to hear more about because this seems to be uh, a kind of a smoking gun. This, this term, magnetofection, look it up. Before I move on from this, I just am going to read another article that I forgot I had uh, uh, saved here. This is from PubMed. This is a journal article entitled Super Paramagnetic Nanoparticle Delivery of DNA Vaccine. So this is uh, Department of Chemical Engineering, Monash University, Clayton. Uh, this is from Australia. The efficiency of a DNA vaccine is often relatively low compared to protein vaccines. The use of a supermagnetic iron oxide nanoparticles to deliver genes via magnetification shows promise in improving the efficiency of gene delivery both in vitro and in vivo. Uh, a couple other things I've highlighted. Carry particular biomolecules to specific targets. The co-repetition method is an effective technique for preparing the stable aqueous dispersions of iron oxide nanoparticles. So that, that aqueous dispersion, and again, I don't know as much as I should, obviously, but that is the question I remember Brett Weinstein asking earlier in his podcast about the aqueous dispersion. His, his question was, how are they getting it into the cells? And it all makes sense now to hear his confusion about that. And the person that he was interviewing didn't have a good answer. I think it was Geert van der Bosch at the time. They were asking what, what what method was it they were introducing it to the cells? And now this makes sense about why those two guys that actually do know some of this terminology were confused about what the, the mechanism for that to happen. So it's pretty interesting stuff. My guess is you're going to hear more about this in the future. All right, I'm just going to breeze through some of these uh, final COVID type articles. This one is a fact check um, I'm just going to read it. Byram Brindle's claim that COVID-19 vaccines are toxic fails to account for key differences between the spike protein produced during infection and vaccination misrepresents studies. So this is going to be your typical fact check. It's going to say, remember the idea that uh, the vaccine or rather the, the spike protein all by itself is causing the blood clots. And this is referencing studies that have been out. I think one of the primary ones is this Solopov, uh, new research presented at the American Society for Pharmacology and Experimental Therapeutics annual meeting during the Virtual Experimental Biology 2021 meeting held April 27th through 30th. And I'm getting this from SciTech Daily. SARS-CoV-2 spike protein alone may cause COVID-19 lung damage even without the presence of an intact virus. So this is a study which basically through using genetically modified mice uh, showed acute lung injury with sort of a dummy virus, but just the spike protein itself and showed all the symptoms that were uh, causing problems with the lung uh, stuff. And so this fact check that we're looking at here is saying, hey, 
let, let, let's, let's say that that is not a good idea, and this is the kind of arguments that they're using. But data are still preliminary. The effect of the spike protein in infected animals can't be extrapolated to vaccine-derived spike proteins in humans. Fair enough, fair enough. I suppose that's true, but that argument is that the it's just preliminary, it can't be extrapolated. Fine, but that's kind of how science works. Now you move on to say, hey, this is a danger, let's hold off, because in mice it's causing this problem, and these mice were literally genetically modified to mimic human ACE2 receptors. So yes, there is a reason to, to be uh, worried about this. Another uh, argument in this fact check is that the spike protein produced by COVID-19 vaccination be behaves differently from spike protein produced during infection. While some spike protein produced through vaccination might enter the bloodstream, it is, it is as a much lower level compared to the amount associated with the damage in infected animal, animals. So I want people to realize that in this fact check, the, the argument really comes down to, hey, yeah, we know the spike protein probably is really bad for you, but it just stays in your arm. It just stays in your arm. Their argument is that it just stays in your arm. But even here in a fact check, they're saying some of it could get in through the bloodstream. And that's the whole thing that the argument was in the first place, that not all people are the same. If it gets into your bloodstream, it can get through the blood brain barrier, cause blood clots and thus cause strokes. That's the, that's the argument that yes, some gets through uh, in, into your bloodstream. That's the point. Not that uh, just a little bit does, so it's okay. Yeah, the little bit is the, the part that's causing the problem. So even the fact checks are basically saying this in the body of it. Just a few more stories here. Seven U.S. teens developed heart inflammation after second Pfizer vaccine. New study shows 17-year-old suffers rare heart condition following Pfizer jab. CDC investigating. Pfizer vaccine probably linked to heart inflammation. Israeli panel of experts concludes. This one is the one I was mentioning earlier about uh, this guy. Matt Hancock reveals hospitalization rate of Indian variant is just 1%, half of the British variant. And so this is an MP in, uh, in Britain. He's saying that 1% one, that 1 of the Indian variant cases, 126 of 12,383, were hospitalized. That compared to 2% with the British variant over the winter peak, suggesting the scariant is nothing to fear. Of course, they're going into lockdowns, and this is all about the variants. And I think that you're also going to see, unless the variants do get more severe, you're going to see people resisting this because this the stuff that I've seen so far is that none of this this variant stuff is so minuscule. I mean that there's always going to be minor changes as the viruses uh, reproduce, and it's not significant enough for your immune response to be different. Now that could change with some of the other stuff that we've been talking about, but so far it doesn't seem like there's anything to fear. If you have antibodies for coronavirus, you have anti bodies in some cases in most cases i don't know it's going to change obviously for these variants all right so most of this week i was pretty pretty happy with the ivermectin news at least from my perspective and i was getting most of my news from those kind of places that uh, i typically get my news um, but it really was springboarded from i think at least to some degree this guy pierre corey that has appeared on the dark horse podcast again with brett weinstein so um, check that out. It's called COVID, Ivermectin, and the Crime of the Century, Dark Horse Podcast with Pierre Corey and Brett Weinstein. It's like a two-hour interview. It's really interesting, but lots of clips have been showing up online, and it does seem like things, the, the tide has turned with Ivermectin, the, 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 and that's probably for a lot of reasons. I think that India basically seemed to got their entire thing under control with Ivermectin. 
And that's why you're not hearing about India anymore is because nobody really wants to talk about it. So then you started to see just story and story over here. And of course, this is a smoking gun too, because they knew from the beginning that ivermectin was safe, really, 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 really safe, and really, 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 really effective, like through the roof. If this was any other situation and there wasn't an agenda, there is no reason that the vaccines would have ever been approved for the emergency use situation because the key component of the emergency use is that there cannot be another safe and effective um, uh, drug in the market. And this thing, I mean, won the Nobel Prize, the woman who, who discovered this, this is an incredibly safe and effective drug. There's so much data on it. People have been taking it regularly as, uh, as prophylactics for, for a long, long time with all kinds of stuff, malaria, river blindness or whatever. So anyway, this video has been, and then I the, start looking at the news because I like to check just what the world is hearing about ivermectin. So checking it today, I was just like completely downcast because here comes this global communist corporate thing and they're just going with the complete opposite narrative just bold-faced lies things that just are not true trying to scare people away from ivermectin and you can look at the studies you can see it's not true it is objective reality and yet again they're just banking on that one day they're going to get to shut everybody down and and they are shutting people down brett weinstein's got his first strike it's just it's a matter of time before he gets two and he'll be out of there every day some new youtube channels down we are not winning at all. There, if you believe in any part of your heart that we are winning, get it out of your head. We are losing badly in terms of just the ability to convey information about this. When they take over, it doesn't matter what anybody says anymore. And they'll take over with the same kind of fear taxes that, that they are. Basically, everybody's got a proverbial gun to their head. Their, their careers, their, um, you know, their livelihoods, their support of their families, all in jeopardy if they say anything about this. You know, it, it takes an immense amount of bravery for anybody to risk their license to do this. I'm talking about medical professionals particularly, but they are doing it because it's insanity. Anyway, uh, so the ivermectin story, as wonderful as it is, it is uh, also being maligned uh, greatly out there. But there's also good news. I think one interesting thing is this. India has is suing the World Health Organization for, uh, for their stance on ivermectin. Let me see if I can find this story here. Yeah, WHO chief scientists served legal notice in India for allegedly suppressing data on drug to treat COVID-19. The Indian Bar Association has taken legal action against World Health Organization chief scientist Dr. Soumya Swaminathan for her alleged role in spreading disinformation on the use of ivermectin to treat COVID-19. A couple paragraphs down, they further say that uh, Swamin... Nathan, in her statements against the use of ivermectin, ignored research and clinical trials from two organizations, the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance and the British Ivermectin Recommendation De uh, Development, who presented, uh, who presented solid data showing ivermectin prevents and treats COVID-19. So we'll see if anything comes of this. I have my doubts, but it's like anything else. On the one side, you have, you know, what you can perceive as facts and data. And on the other side, you have just blatant you know, ad hominems and, and provable lies and just power, just money and power on one side and the truth on the other side. And, you know, historically, that doesn't really matter. I mean, money typically wins out. And I, I do think it is unless something supernatural happens, unless, unless we're not really meant to go into the world that seems to be being built up for us. If God himself uh, desires us to be sort of delivered from this, or if he desires us to go through it for his purposes as well. Uh, either way, I'm good with it. 
either way, we've got work to do within that. Either way, we shouldn't let it uh, hurt our hearts. And, and, and I know it's very tempting to be angry all the time at the injustice, but recognize that injustice is not what we were promised to be delivered from. Never we were. Injustice is basically to be expected. We have jobs within that injustice. We have jobs and ministry to do within it. And we have peace that is not related to that. I mean, we have peace. We have literal eternal life. All these things that these billionaires are trying to put chips in their head and hope and stupid little dreams that they've got about uh, to, to avoid their ultimate punishment, eternal punishment that is coming to them. And, and here we have this great gift of eternal, real, actual, really eternal life. In exchange, you know, what we're doing or not because of that or not because we have to or anything, but we get to have uh, an impact in this world and to do things that we have gifts for and things like that. So, you know, when I was thinking about the other day, like, what if I only had a year to live? All my thoughts are about, you know, of course, family and things like that, but also ministry. Like, that's really what it comes down to. What What is left unfinished in that regard? Because here's another thing I was thinking about. So talents, you know, here on earth is the only place that your talents get to be praised for something, right? Somebody next to you can say, wow, you're so such and such, you're so such and such, and you get your rewards for your talents here on earth. But in heaven, it's probably looked at not quite like that. In heaven, it's probably widely understood that all of your talents were gifts, and they came with uh, the question, what did you do with that talent that I gave you? How did that, how did that go, you know? And because there it's understood that they weren't yours. They were God's talents that he gave you. And there is no glory for you in heaven with regard to those kind of things. It, it's a debit, not a credit. <laughs> and I don't mean to be so glib because I'm sure that there is a retaining of your personality and your talents. And there is some some manner of, of recognition with regard to that and, and rewards and so on and so forth. But, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Um, it's a burden if you have a charge. And that's what I think what we should be doing. Well done, good and faithful servant is what we all desire to hear. And that is not dependent upon the world falling apart around us. We run into the fires. We, we save people. We help people. We're to be salt and light. We cannot be upset at injustice because injustice is just the world. Injustice is the world everywhere. Injustice is kids in Africa have been dying forever and ever and ever. And that's injustice and abortions are injustice. And it's all injustice. But we do what we're called to do in light of all that. All right, that's it for me this week. You can go to the website, Bible Prophecy Talk, sign up for the email list. If you want to support this uh, show, the best thing you can do is to pray for the show. The second best thing you can do is leave a review on iTunes. Do a search for Bible Prophecy Talk within iTunes. You can then leave a review. Please do it. It really helps with the algorithm. Thirdly, you can leave a donation if you want to. I have stopped reading the donations. Um, it is important though, and we do use them for ministry purposes. Stay tuned to the podcast and to the website for the part three of the Gog Magog theory coming up in the next podcast, Lord willing. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.